Madame Pomplemousse and her incredible edibles, chapter 8. Madame Pomplemousse and her cat had completely vanished. Madeline had only looked up for a second. How could they have disappeared so quickly? She opened her mouth to call out, but then thought better of it. It might be some kind of trick they were playing. Perhaps they already suspected she was a spy. She shivered at the thought. But not just that. There was something distinctly creepy about the shop. It was partly the shadows made by the candle flames, which were long and spindly and danced across the walls. And the foods themselves, which seemed almost to be alive, as if the cheeses were softly sighing and the bunches of sausages whispering in their dry, garlicky voices. As Madeline's eyes grew accustomed to the gloom, she stared closer at the shelves. Each one was packed densely with shining, coloured glass containers, and behind each row there would be another and another as far as the eye could see. And the shelves themselves were all stacked higgledy-piggledy up to the ceiling. One was filled with different types of mustard in many shades of yellow. Above this, there was a dark, cavernous shelf reaching into the shadows, and it was only after she had read olives, black truffles, caviar, pickled walnuts from the 14th century, woodland snails stuffed with sausage meat, python heads with licorice, and giant squid eyes in balsamic vinegar, that she realised everything on that shelf was completely black. Stepping back a couple of paces, she looked up at another shelf and saw how all the bottles and jars on that one were in varying shades of green. Madeline found an old rickety ladder and climbing up, she surveyed the winding tower of shelves about her and saw how they formed a carousel of moving colours, each one seeping into the other, blending subtly so that no one ever clashed or made itself too bold, but shifted gracefully. From the golden hues of barracuda fillets and garlic butter to the dark orchard greens of grasshoppers in tarragon oil, from the rich purple of lavender-crusted frog's legs to the dark crimson of velociraptor heart in red, red wine. And there, right at the top, on the highest shelf, was a tiny jar into which all the spinning hues of colours were coiling and flickering like flames reflecting in the glass. She knew instinctively what it must be. It was the special delicacy for which her uncle wanted the recipe. Perhaps this jar would hold the secret. It might even have the ingredients on its label. She felt a sudden, overwhelming desire to snatch it and run away. Then she would give it to her uncle and it would all be over. She would be free. Without stopping to think, she reached up and immediately regretted it. The ladder was not quite high enough and began to wobble. Desperately, she tried to steady herself, but just managing to get a hold when above her, she heard a hissing sound and there was Camembert on the highest shelf. Madeline screamed and let go of her hand. The ladder tottered in mid-air for a second before plummeting straight to the ground. And there, perfectly positioned at the precise point at which Madeline would have landed, was Madame Pomplemousse, who caught her just in time. In, fo in fact, Madame Pomplemousse 
caught the silver fairy wings, which meant they broke off from the back of Madeline's dress, leaving her to fall only a small distance to the floor. So, mademoiselle, you have found your way around, I see. Uh, uh, Yes, madame, said Madeline, somewhat shaken. You have a very keen eye, I see. Very good. I am also delighted that you have lost those ridiculous wings. All in all, a most promising start. Um, thank you, madame, said Madeleine. Oh, and never mind Camembert. He makes no effort to put people at their ease. That's how he is. There's nothing I can do about it. Besides, he may have thought that you were spying. Madeline started when she heard this and began to go bright red. Quickly she averted her eyes, but when she looked up again, Madame Pomplemousse appeared not to have noticed. Instead, she was busy by the cheese counter, unwrapping a giant goat's cheese from an enormous green leaf. Well, mademoiselle, she said, are you ready? And from that moment, Madeline began officially to be Madame Pomplemousse's assistant. Starting with the goat's cheese, she was taught about all 653 different varieties of cheese that were available in the shop. This included a mouldy blue cheese that dated back to the French Revolution and a soft gooey ooze with a brownish-green rind that was once a favourite of Joan of Arc. This was so unspeakably stinky that it had to be protected by a heavy marble lid several centimetres thick. But even so, Madeline was sure she sometimes saw it rattling and on one occasion heard it softly belch. At the back of the shop, there was a low doorway which led into an ante-room, a small kitchen area with a stone floor and a large dark wooden table. It was here that Madeline would be put to work every day, learning how to fillet an anchovy and to dress it in oils and spices, how to smoke an eel how to make pâté from a sea serpent, and how to squeeze the nectar from a violet. Madame Pompomousse would give precise but rather minimal instructions in the kitchen, and Madeleine discovered that someone who, who did a lot of the actual cooking was Camembert. He was, for example, particularly skilful with a whisk. Via a set of steps, he would reach the table on his hind legs and then with one paw, whizzed things together with astonishing speed. Equally, when it came to chopping, he was incredibly fast. Madeline could chop quite fast herself, but she was wary of some of the knives, which looked like they might slice off your finger before you'd even noticed. Though, if she ever slowed down, Camembert would scowl disdainfully and tsk until she sped up. But despite being afraid of both of them, Madeleine found she rather liked Madame Pomplemousse and her cat. However frightening they may seem, at least they never bullied her or shouted at her. And each day when she arrived, the shop would be empty, but on the counter, a small brass pot of hot chocolate would be waiting for her at just the right temperature. And with the door open to the sunlit street outside, she would sit sipping this in the cool of the morning. For as long as she had been at the Squealing Pig restaurant, Madeline used to wake up every day wishing she could go back to sleep. But now she could hardly wait to get out of bed. 
the tasks she was given at the shop were getting much more complex, though strangely she found she had to think less about what she was doing. Her instincts seemed to be quickening and becoming more refined. Madame Pompamousse had evidently noticed this because she began to treat Madeleine differently, less like a child and more like an equal, with respect. A respect, thought Madeleine guiltily, she would soon repay by betraying her. By day, she tried to forget about it, but come sundown, Madeleine's heart would sink at the prospect of her uncle's interrogation. For she had been at the shop for two weeks now and still there was no sign of the precious recipe. At the back of the shop, in the far corner of the little kitchen belonging to Madame Pompamousse, there was a, a wrought iron spiral staircase that wound down to the floor below. Once Madeleine had tiptoed down a couple of flights of stairs and seen at the bottom a corridor which led to a door. And Madeleine knew that it was behind that door that Madame Pompomousse cooked her most incredible edible. <laughs>